<clears throat> Hello, this is Michelle Faust uh, with Lemonade Legend. I specialize in amplifying the voice, the people who have experienced a breakthrough uh, moment in their life. So essentially turning lemons to lemonade. And I do this by podcasting as well as content writing and promotional books. One of my current projects is a book called The Lemonade Stand. Uh, it's a collaborative book by women who have a powerful vision, much uh, more powerful than the fear itself. We all have fears. Uh, fear is the underlying, um, I think, emotion that dictates a lot of our action. Uh, and the Lemonade Dance is a book about uh, defeating fear uh, and attaining our goals. So I'm hosting um, a series on the book, inviting each and every one of the fabulous ladies who are contributing to the Lemonade Dan. And today, my guest is Tracy O'Malley. Tracy, welcome. Hello. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited about the book, too. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really, really uh, getting some attention and we're all getting very excited about it. And I'm excited that you are a contributor. I'm going to ask you a little bit about the book, but I want to, um, I just want to introduce you properly as to you have your own business mm -hmm. and you are, I, I refer to my note because I want to make sure <laughs> you're a master performance leadership and Enneagram coach, correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to kind of dig into that in just a little bit because I'm, I'm intrigued about the Enneagram code because that's a new one on me. So um, I'm excited to hear more about that. Um, but first, um, just to start off with the lemonade stand, um, you and I have actually um, never really met. This is our first you know, close to a face-to-face. -face. Um, and the amazing thing about the book is that everybody has come to me through referrals. So very organically, um, people, somebody knew somebody, and, and that's how this group has come together, but in a very supportive, very um, meaningful way. And so I would like to ask you, um, first of all, without giving away your story, <laughs> give a little teaser out there a little bit about, um, uh, about your story, kind of the heart and soul of it with uh, just a little tidbit. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up in the Midwest of Chicago, Illinois, and um, I'm a very strong Irish girl. Um, with the last name O'Malley, you can kind of go from there where that leads. And, you know, being born Irish, I joke a lot of the times that we were born to drink and fight. Like we come out of the womb ready to just like put on the, the gloves and do shots of whiskey. And that's kind of how it was in my house. I was raised in an environment where there was a lot of fighting and a lot of drinking and a lot of uncertainty. And so by the age of four, I remember very distinctly um, having to learn to navigate everything on the drop of a dime. And that makes you grow up really, really fast. And I was the oldest child, and my role in the house was the peacekeeper, um, the navigator of all things. And by the age of five, um, I had disordered eating. That was my preferred coping mechanism as a five-year-old. And obviously, as life escalated and the intensity of the home escalated, I turned to alcohol by the age of 15. Um, wasn't an everyday drinker or anything like that because I didn't want to be like my dad. Um, I became a situational drinker. Anytime the situation was awkward or uncomfortable or I just needed to release some steam, 
the alcohol would come into play. And, um, you know, obviously it wreaked a little havoc in my life. I, I was a, uh, I'm a recovering control freak. And being a blackout drinker is a control freak's worst nightmare because you can't recollect what you did the day before. Yeah. I can really appreciate that. Yes. Um, because, yeah, no control whatsoever. Mm, you know, no ability to even, you know, um, get some direction from what mm -hmm. you just blacked out from. Wow. Yeah. So, I, you know, to kind of escape the life, I met a guy in college and um, married at 21, and he was from Arizona, which is where we moved. And I thought I could move as far away as possible and outrun, outwit, outlast, outthink um, the life that I grew up in. And when my daughter turned four is when it all kind of came and hit me, and this was 19 years ago, that, oh my gosh, like it doesn't matter how far I go, you know, what we're raised with is what we know and that's what we do. And it was then that I knew if I didn't repair it, I was gonna repeat it. So 19 years ago is when I started this exploration process of, I need to understand why this has gone on for generations and how do I stop this right here with me. And for the next 12 years, I would take like five steps forward, four back, five forward, four back, because I wasn't equipped with any of these tools. It wasn't modeled for me. Um, even though I wanted something different, I didn't know how to do something different. And it was really scary. You know, when you start to change, how things have always been done, it disrupts a lot. And the people that you love don't love that. And so that's where it would be the, you know, go forward, fall back, yeah. go forward, fall back until seven years ago is when I said enough is enough. So that's a perfect example of having fear dictate your life because as you said, it's mm -hmm. a very scary place. And, um, but you, you grew courageous and um, found your bravery. And you had a vision. You had a strong vision. Um, just so that I understand that not even though alcohol obviously was a big part of it, but it, the, your story is more than that and that it, um, but addictive and controlling behavior. Is that, is that right? Or? Well, and, you know, I believe that the addiction is never the issue. That's just the symptom. What I had was no instruction manual for how to deal with pain. As a little girl, I had no instructions and no guidance on how to deal with pain, so food became that. As a, as a young adult, I saw how we dealt with coping, and that was with alcohol. So like the addictions and the things that we do, you know, even codependency or overgiving or overworking or, you know, all the things that disrupt our life and how we want to live it is simply just a symptom of not having the coping of pain and um, we don't have a connection to something that is safe and so that's when we lean into those things so I had a coping problem not necessarily an alcohol food work problem right it's the crutch that you yeah. choose to take to lean on so um, I appreciate you sharing that um, and it's not easy um, and you know mm -hmm. obviously I've talked to a lot of the women who are involved in this book and it isn't easy to really go back and relive your, um, your, your path to put out and share a story. Um, so I do, I thank you for doing that. Um, 
why did you choose at this time to go ahead? Why did it resonate with you to go ahead and join up and, and with the group and share your story? Um, you know, I think that, I don't think, I think that out in the world we live today, everybody's looking for instant gratification, instant gratification. And I just want to be able, like, it isn't that easy. We see the glory, but we don't always know the story behind it. You know, we take a look at somebody who's like, oh, it must be easy for her. If you just heard my bio or my accolades, it's like, oh, that must be nice. But there's a whole list of 40 years of hard story behind it. And, mm-hmm. you know, instead of giving instant gratification, I want to give an instant shot of hope. And I believe that that's what this book can do for people. Um, it doesn't mean it's going to be an easy road because Lord knows when you change everything you've ever known, it is not easy and it is not well received usually. Um, and I also know that if we want something different for our life, it's going to require something drastically different from us. And I think these women coming together to bring these stories gives pretty much anybody who's gone through anything an instruction manual for like, okay, if she's done it, so can I. And I think that that's very, very powerful for, for people. That's great. Um, thank you. And uh, I don't want to give away too much because yeah. you know, people are like <laughs> reading the book and really digging into the, the, the details of it. So mm-hmm. what I want to do is focus on, on you. I mean, you've obviously done some really hard work mm-hmm. um, to attain, you know, um, uh, your own business and that, um, appears from everything I can see really successful. So let's talk about what you're doing now and um, um, how, how your life has, has changed. Uh, specifically, let's start out, because I'm so intrigued by it, let's start out with the Enneagram coaching mm. and exactly what is that? So the Enneagram, Ennea means nine, gram means, means diagram or model. And when you put the word together, it's a diagram of nine different personality types and how they operate, what their biggest fears are, their biggest desires, um, what their heart longs to hear, where they go in growth, where they go in stress. And ironically, when I told you seven years ago, I said enough is enough, I decided, and mind you, and I'm not going to give it all away, but the pivotal moment was my dad calling me and saying, they just diagnosed me with cancer. They haven't given me, given me long to live. And 12 days later, he passed away. And so that was kind of like, Oh, this life thing is really too short and I better get my crap together. And so seven years ago, I put all the cards on the table and I decided to get help with my coping problem. Um, And that included getting help with alcohol, eating disorders, workaholism, all the things. And while I was in rehab, uh, my therapist made me take this test. And, you know, I have two children. They were 14 and 15 at the time. And in rehab, she made me take this test and it was the Enneagram test. And when I, when she kind of explored it with me, it made perfect sense why things weren't working for me, why things in my home, even though I was communicating, I thought very well, it wasn't landing the way that I wanted it to with my kids. You know, and I'm a, I was a single mom at that point. And it, it, it was this, this map and compass and GPS system of how I operated and how my personality when I'm speaking to my two children isn't working. And so 
understanding the nine different personality types, two of which my kids are two different ones, I was able to understand where they go under stress and where they go under growth. Because where they went under stress used to irritate me and I used to take it so personal. So I would communicate in a way that was very irritated. And of course that keeps the, the avalanche going. So just an understanding how, the, how they operated instead of getting all pissy and, and irritated, I could speak with compassion when I could understand when they were actually under stress and how they were acting wasn't personal. And so it very quickly shifted in our home. And so I began studying it seven years ago. And then six months later, when I began my new, a new business, um, it was about networking, my new business. It was a network marketing business. And I had no social network at that point. I'd wiped everybody out when I cleaned up my life. I had no social network left. So great time to build a network marketing business, right? <laughs> so what I knew with, with what I knew with the Enneagram is that I was going to need to leverage every human being that I knew and leverage them, utilize their network. I needed to be able to speak to every single person that came in front of me, not just people like me, because that would be... A, a, a whole network of people like me would be very aggressive <laughs> and I needed all personalities. And so using what I knew in the Enneagram, I was able to build in two years, a large network marketing business with 82 people. I took 82 people, turned them into 15,000 people, which generated my first million dollar income in two years. And I utilized the Enneagram, um, because I was able to know who I was talking to, know their language that they learn best by. I knew how to bring up the best in them. And I knew how to speak to them in a way that they knew what was in it for them and not what was, what was in it for me. And then obviously in the last seven years, I've used it extensively in helping corporate teams build and be cohesive, um, you know, small workplaces, anybody that works together that needs to get along to, for the greater vision. Which is just about any business, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Families, yeah. is, you know, anybody who runs a household, this is some valuable information. And I was just in Sedona over the weekend with three of my closest girlfriends, and we all have different personality types, which I think that's why we are so, we work so well together. But my one friend looked at me and she said, you single-handedly, seriously have helped save my marriage because my husband now knows how to communicate in my language in a way that I can receive what he was trying to say all along. And she was, you're going to be putting therapists out of business. And I, I'm like, no, but this is really a powerful self-awareness tool and it can help you live a life of harmony and very profitable if you use it correctly. That's pretty amazing. And I'm fascinated about the fact that it, excuse me, <coughs> we'll edit that out. Um, fascinated by the fact that, that you can take a coaching method that can be so, um, so helpful, so motivating and, and, you know, within the workplace, and yet it spills over into the home life as well. Is that mm -hmm. it, it really covers all your, all the people that you're dealing with. Um, because I've gone through some similar types of things because I have a sales background and, you know, they always are looking at personality types. I've always had a hard time really having it sink in so that then when I need to apply it 
in real life, I still fall back into my own habit. So can you share a little bit of how, how you make that stick with people? Yeah, you know, the Enneagram is not like this. And, and I get asked a lot why it took me so long to talk publicly about it. And it's exactly what you just said. You know, there's lots of these personality tests out there. People love to take online quizzes about themselves, and that's great. But nobody is really teaching how to use that to integrate it into your life so it sticks. Or what, what else I see is people get so fixated on a label of themselves. And a lot of times they'll use it as a sword or a shield. You know, we can say, oh, you're an eight. You know, and then they'll beat the people up for it or they'll beat themselves up for the negative or unhealthier traits of that personality. And or we use it as a shield like I used to, like, this is just who I am. You must deal with me. Right. Instead of like, okay, how can I be so well rounded? Um, so how I get it to stick with people, obviously the Enneagram is I, I like to call it my gateway drug, so to speak into the real work because self-awareness is the most important piece in any kind of transformation, whether it's emotional, physical, or financial. You must be willing to look at the whole package, not just the things that we beat ourselves up for and not just for the things that we're great at, like the whole package and how we operate. And so the Enneagram is very complex. It's more than just a label and a number. There's, um, you know, we have this disposition and temperament that I believe we are innately born with. And when I carried my children, their disposition in my belly was very, is very much their disposition in the world. And then our personality starts to express itself based on the environment we grew up in, you know, matched with that disposition. So obviously growing up the way that I grew up and my disposition, it's no surprise that my, my personality is what it is. And so really unpacking this with people, kind of light at first. So there's this new awareness like, oh, that's why I do that. Oh, that's why I communicate like that. Because if you just know, I've always been the girl that asked, why is that? Why is it? I was the annoying girl in class that wanted to understand it so it would stick. And so the way that I coach the Enneagram is letting people understand why this is the way this is. So that when it's happening, they're like, ah, instead of beating themselves up for it, they have compassion for themselves and they can pivot and course correct instantly. Like I accelerate transformation and help move the needle probably faster than anyone I've ever met because of the way that I coach. That's fantastic. Um, so is it because the nature of it sounds a little bit complex, um, is, there, is there a time frame, you know, 12 weeks? 90 days, anything like that? Or is it still just a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, working with people or a, a group? I mean, it, you know, I, I like to say it depends on how deep you want to go. You know, I do an initial kind of typing ses uh, session because even if you take the test online, uh, only about 70% of the time is it even close to being accurate because we kind of answer in ways that we wish we were sometimes. Uh, and that's why it's really important to have somebody because if you have the wrong type and you Google all the ways that it's unhealthy or where it goes in stress, just imagine if you plug your GPS, like your destination into your car, little GPS system, and it's the wrong coordinates and it's going to take you off course. Like if you are labeled or typed the wrong way and you think you're this under stress, 
it, it could actually mean that that's where you are in growth and you're just sabotaging it, right? So I think it's really important to be guided through it. I can do one session. If you want to explore the entire thing and what that's about, that takes about five. Um, I do full day workshops and intensives. Um, I can pretty much do anything for anybody with it. Um, some people like to learn a little bit at a time. Some people want to know all the things all at once. And, you know, that's based on personality, too. So I can, I can work with anyone in any pace that they like. It just depends on what they like. Customized programming. That's great. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I like that. Yeah. Um, so let's also talk a little bit about the soul surgery method. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you're digging deep. So when I told you that the Enneagram is like the gateway drug, um, I wasn't kidding because soul surgery, um, when you need to change your life, that isn't an easy process. Like I said, it took me 19 years, actually 12 to really get it right. And I've done all modalities of therapy, coaching, healing, trauma work, Al-Anon, ACA, AA, like I've done every modality out there. And I really quickly realized that the statistics with addiction are not very good. And I wanted to know why that was, of course. And it was because it's not a one size fits all at all. And so over the last 19 years, I've compiled what I believe works. And the Enneagram and self-awareness was my very first tool to use with people. So I could understand how to talk to them, right? And so... What happens is, is when people become more self-aware and they understand themselves, and it isn't as scary as they thought it was to understand themselves, they're ready to take and integrate this into their life at a deeper level. And so then I move them into soul surgery. And that is more intensive. It is using what they've learned about themselves and really unpacking their past so they can heal it. It's like what you said earlier. I can't remember what you said, but it's sometimes it's hard to go back in and talk about these stories to bring them to life for the book. But you kind of have to. It's like if you ever broke a bone. And I broke a, this is so symbolic of my life. I broke my arm when I was six. And because I didn't want anybody upset, I didn't tell anyone that I broke my arm. Like that's kind of like, you can tell how my household was. Yeah. That, that I didn't tell anybody. And what happened was, is a few days later, I obviously couldn't hide the fact anymore that I was not using my arm. And so, of course, I had to go to the doctor. Well, if you don't heal the bone properly, what does a doctor have to go in and do? Rebreak it, right? So it can heal, heal properly so you get the best use out of this beautiful arm that you have. Unfortunately, our hearts are no different, and sometimes we have to go in and re-break our heart a little bit so that it can heal the right way so we can live the life we were called to, that we were supposed to all along. And so what soldier, soul surgery does is with a lot of love and compassion, I help you kind of re-break the places that didn't heal properly so that you can move forward and you don't have to do the five steps forward, five back and that whole sabotage thing. It's like, Oh, I understand this. I've healed it. You know, if you don't heal it, you got, you got to heal, you got to feel it to heal it, to deal with it. And so that's what soul surgery is, but it's more integration of taking the self-awareness piece of the Enneagram. And then they're like, okay, I want more. This isn't as scary as I thought. And because I've been there, um, I've pretty much been through anything that you can think of. Um, I'm pushing 50, so I have a lot of 
experience under my belt of pain and also healing and success and love and compassion. And so I think people feel safe in going through that process with me. And it's it, soul surgery took me 19 years to put together and it's probably next to my own children, my, my favorite baby of all. Yeah. You know, there's way too much pain in the world mm-hmm. and way too little love and compassion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, thank you for putting your life, you know, in that direction and, uh, and helping people. It's really become something um, important to me. I'm not an expert, but I think in the process of putting this book together, I'm learning so much and I'm meeting some such amazing people that it, I'm realizing that um, this is my passion. When I, I it, you know, it, it kind of, I sort of had to uncover the fact that, that I, I love this discovery that I'm going through. And as you were talking about having to go back in, in your past a little bit, it's interesting because I have a story in the book too. And I kind of wrote it in an out-of-body experience, you know, like I was the person looking down at, you mm-hmm. know, Michelle's past life. And, um, and it just dawned on me only a couple of days ago where I kind of went, that's why I'm like who I am. I, I mean, it was just, it was the connection. And then, and, you know, I mean, I, I like who I am, but yet mm-hmm. I, and we all have our quirks and behaviors and habits and everything else. And it, it was kind of a revelation that um, I understood much more, you know, why I love the way I do, why I, you know, sometimes retreat um, mm-hmm. as I do. And it was just, it really pulled it all together. However, I, you know, this is, this is great revelation for me, but now, now what do I do? So um, right. that's my next step. And my next step It's like, okay, you know this, what do you do with this knowledge and how do you, you um, continue to grow? And well, and I think the age that you and I are and that the, the era that you and I grew up in, this stuff wasn't talked about. And, you know, today in the world. Oh, absolutely not. No. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Like, in fact, I mean, when I say when you disrupt things and bring revelation to this stuff, my family is not happy with me at all. Um, and the, the life we live today, personal development and, you know, self-help is at the forefront. But I think the problem, and this is why I'm so passionate about it, what I do is the problem is, is we we touch on this awareness, but then nobody's teaching how to integrate. Okay, great. I know better, but I don't know how to do better. And then what happens is, is when we know it and we can't change it, we beat ourselves up and the cycle continues, right? Right. And that's why I think it's very important to, to be out there teaching integration. And it's, it's hard work. It's not easy dealing with emotions and pains and how we've always done things, even when we don't want to do things the way we've always done. Um, but it's very brave of you and of everyone listening that says, you know what, I know better and I want to do better. I'm going to raise my hand and say, please, you know, you know the way, you've gone the way, now show me the way. And I think that that's really important and brave of you and everybody else that, that does it too. It is important. And I think the more, you know, awareness that we bring out there, the more we say it's okay, mm-hmm. you know, we're people. Well, we stay as we stay as stuck and as sick as our secrets, you know, and yeah, and I think that's why storytelling 
is some of the best healing we can do, not just for ourselves, but for every person we touch. Because I'm sure in your story and in mine, certainly, I felt alone in that every day that nobody could ever understand what it felt like to live like I was living. And when I had my out-of-body experience and started telling my story publicly, I could not believe the number of people that said, you could have written my story with what you just said. And not only did it help them, but it got me unstuck. You know, when, when we are stuck in our secrets, and I promise you, the more that you can... That sounds like a book title right there, Stuck in My Secrets. <laughs> it's just true. And, and, you know, my part of the story is how to become bulletproof. And, you know, I, people used to say, well, what does that mean? And it doesn't mean we don't feel or anything, but in order to live the life that we want, we got to stand on the front lines of it. You have to stand on the front lines of your life. And that means hits are going to come and things are going to come at you. And becoming bulletproof means I'm going to feel all the things, but it's not going to have to take me out. And you're never going to live the life of your dreams playing small or sitting in the back of the room. You're just not. And so stand at the front line of your life, learn how to become bulletproof so you can take it all. I mean, if I, if I even got into what happened in my life the last four months, I mean, we could go on for, for days, but just those hits alone in the last four months, one of them would have taken me out 10 years ago. And I'm still here standing strong, still feeling it all. It hurts. And um, using it to grow myself but, but understanding that this, yeah. this is life and I want to squeeze every ounce of juice out of it. And that means I'm going to stand at the front of the line and take the hits if I have to. And because I have the tools of soul surgery and my own toolbox that I teach, man, let me tell you, the last four months have taught me that I walk my talk because I had to pull out every tool I've ever taught in order to navigate that. And I'm better, stronger and filled with more compassion and gratitude than ever, even standing on the front line taking the hit. So it works. It well, works. And, and that, that's great confirmation for um, what you're doing. Um, not, not that I wish you the pain <laughs> to go through, but on the same hand, you know, right. some, some people, um, it's kind of like those who can do, those who can't teach kind of thing. Um, and you just proved that that is not at all the case is that um, you do uh, walk the talk. So um, it sounds to me too like bulletproof is really not wrapping yourself in a protective bubble as much as it just, it deflecting. Deflecting. You know, yeah, you're strong enough to deflect that that's getting, you know, you're getting bombarded with. Well, if you've ever known anybody in law enforcement that wears a bulletproof jacket they're on the front line taking the hits and and sometimes those bullets have hit them even with a jacket and knocked them on their butts and sometimes it leaves marks and bruises and the adrenaline rushes and the heart races and it's scary that's life but you know what they're able to get back up and so are we um i feel all the things i i hurt just like anybody else but it's never going to take me out yeah. And, and the, the good thing about standing on the front line is you get to see everything and it's beautiful. Um, and when you know how to navigate that, you can take anything on and you, you don't you do miss. Get, you need to get a whole different view out there than if you're retreating, you know, mm -hmm. trying to hide yourself from mm -hmm. what's out there. Still scary, but it's amazing. Still scary. <laughs> 
all scary. I have to share with uh, our listeners, um, because one of the things we're doing with uh, the Lemonade Den is uh, we've created a t-shirt. And the t-shirt uh, is still in the draft stage, but basically it's a big heart. And all the contributors have um, shared their one word that is meaningful to them in relationship to the book. So I just realized yours is bulletproof because <laughs> I yeah. saw that in art. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder who put that out there. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. The girl that was making the t-shirt, she's like, can we change that word? I'm like, no. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like but I, but I get it because it fits. It fits so well in, mm-hmm. in, in your story and yes. uh, your personality and how you view everything. <laughs> so, so Bulletproof is in the heart. It's going to stay in the heart. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, it just, yeah. It, 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 I stumble with the word because you want to say it's a great story. It's not really a great story. It, it's a painful story. Um, but it's, it's a, a great story. story when you look at the whole ev- evolution of then shifting it around and creating a better life. That's the great story. Well, I believe every story is great if we are willing to let it be. You know, I've said to my own children, the things that are hard that happen in our life, usually if we look at it only last moments, but sometimes we give it the power to take years and years and sometimes decades from our life. And I decided seven years ago that every part of the story was beautiful and it, and it should be used for the greatest good. And if we really can look at the things that have gone not so great in our lives or that are super painful, I want you to know that it all matters and it is all molding you into the beautiful human being that you are today. And actually the things that you believe are the disqualifiers of your life are the things that actually qualify you to, you know, step into your purpose and your calling but you have to be willing to look at it that way. It's all about the perception of it. I used to be a victim. I used to believe that the world was after me. And when I was able to shift that, this actually happened for me. So I could use the gifts that I was given. Like, yeah, none of this happens without the hard parts of the story. So if you've ever, I think it's Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey. Everybody's a hero. But you have to be willing to look at the entire journey in order to see like anybody that anybody that we look up to, any like look at Oprah. Like her story was pretty hard in the beginning, and look what she did with it. Tony Robbins has a really hard story, and look what he did with it. Tracy O'Malley, like yeah, hearing the the, the story, and there's so much more to it. Oh my gosh! Yeah. But I want I want you to know that you have that story in you too, and it's just how you frame it and and look at it. And I'm grateful for every part, especially the hard parts. You expressed that beautifully, and mm-hmm. um, I do thank you again for being a part of the book. I do think it's going to be very, very powerful, and um, it, it's there to help. Um, that, mm-hmm. that, that's really the underlying motivation, I think, with everyone. What can we do um, to be a supportive community? So um, on that note, um, I want to make sure that people know how to get in touch with you. So would mm-hmm. you like to share your contact information? Sure. You can find me on Instagram, Tracy underscore O'Malley. I do lots of fun um, educational stuff based on the Enneagram and soul surgery and, and I rescue animals. So you'll get to see my, my rescue dogs and my kids and everything there Um, at Tracy underscore O'Malley. I'm on Facebook with my same name, or you can go to TracyO'Malley.com 
with all the goodies there. And Michelle, thank you for bringing all of us together to share our stories so that we can give everybody that instant hope right away. Uh, it has been my pleasure so far, and the journey's not over. So um, it, uh, it's been really incredible meeting people like you. So um, we could thank each other all day long, but I think we're <laughs> we know we're appreciative. So yeah. on that note, I'm going to say um, I hope you have an incredible day. You too. And I know you're one busy lady, and it, it's early for you, and uh, you're just going to go bust through some walls for the rest of the day, right? Mm, yeah, I enjoy it while I do it. <laughs> Thanks so I know, much. No doubt, no doubt. So anyways, um, we'll be talking again soon. But meanwhile, this has been uh, great to put a little bit of, a little piece of you out there for our listeners. And um, I, I hope that they will gain something. I know they'll gain something from it. And uh, hey, people out there, if you need some help with, getting your mind focused on and, and, and learning how to deal with um, the different personality, especially learning how to deal with your own personality, um, give Tracy a call. All right. Thanks, hon. Tracy, thank you. And uh, I'll say goodbye with that and have a great day. You too. Okay. That was uh,